Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. Vikings. I am your host, Dustin Baker. It is June 28th. We are about four weeks from training camp. I've got Brian McKinney with me here. He won a Super Bowl with the Baltimore Ravens 13 years ago. Sal Spice and Ron Saw. We got the gang, I think, all together tonight. It'll be the first time in a while. Uh, but we are, again, not far from training camp. So we're going to go over some training camp items, maybe touch a little bit on Daniil Hunter and basically catch up with the whole gang. First, though, Bet Online is your number one source for all of your betting needs. Get the latest odds, lines, and matchup reports for baseball, boxing, golf, and more. BetOnline continues to be the fastest and easiest way to place your wagers, including live betting and your favorite casino and card games available to play right from your phone. Head to the website or use your mobile device to sign up today and get in on the action. Remember to use this promo code BLEAV, B-L-E-A-V, BLEAV, for your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Bet online where the game starts. We're back and we're talking about Vikings football. We uh, training camp is not far away, about a month. Uh, it's a month from tomorrow. And we finally got Ron back on the show. It feels like I haven't personally talked or seen him in about a month. Uh, perhaps the listeners feel the same way. But we're going to talk a lot about training camp. Um, but I want to get your temperature, Ron, on Daniil Hunter. I don't know that I picked your brain on this because I think it's a coin flip right now. Hopefully leaning a little bit more towards he stays but he could reasonably be extended or traded this offseason. And I want to get your your temperature on that. You know, it's one of those where, like like I've always said in the past, it's I'll always side with the player when it comes to these negotiations because you're an asset and your asset is very limited in mm-hmm. how long you have that. And being a 27, 28-year-old um, veteran who, again, he's put up elite numbers, the fast 50 sacks um, in NFL history. And while he had a couple of uh, – Injuries there, like last year he was healthy. Um, so that seems to be at least in, not an issue that we're currently dealing with. Um, and his base salary or what he's due is like, what, five, six million or something yeah. like that. So I fully understand when you're an athlete in the prime of your career in a in a career that is very limited where, you know, it's not, you know, a 20 year career, you know, as a defensive end in the league, just, you don't see it. Bruce Smith's don't, <laughs> don't fall around or fall off trees anymore. So um, I understand why he would want the stance that he's at. Um, but being in the summer where we're at, it's kind of hard to get a gauge as far as where the Vikings interest is. I know the hot topics are, Oh, the Vikings or peak teams are calling about Daniel Hunter and questioning his availability. I mean, what else are teams going to do? Are they just going to sit by and like not look to improve their team? So I get it from both sides. Um, I hope there's resolution behind it because I would love to see Daniil in this Brian Flores defense um, and him as that um, elite athlete that can stand up um, and rush the passer as well as get his hand in the dirt and be in set the edge um i think his versatility would be great for this defense so um i want to see it get resolved um i hope that it doesn't bleed into the season um because you know holdouts are you know when you're an elite player like that you you hope that you have all hands on deck um but you know we'll see what happens usually well at least our old regime you knew that they would have some sort of resolution prior to the season Mm -hmm. um i and Quazy is a smart guy, um, so I have to hope that they have that same approach. But um, I don't think there's any 
I don't think they're trying to do any leverage play on, well, we got you here for $5 million. Let's see what you have. <laughs> I think they're going to um, try to work something out. And unfortunately, if nothing is is um, worked out, I think they would look to trade them because you can't just have an asset like that not be on the, on the field. Yeah, I say it for certain it's an either or. It's an extension or a trade because that that 5.5 million in new money thing is pretty insulting to Hunter who's been <laughs> throughout all the injuries, a couple injuries or whatever, pretty a team player when it comes to contract negotiations. So something's got to give. I will be petrified if they trying to fix a defense that ranked third worst in points allowed last year, if their solution is to trade the two best pass rushers. I won't know how that will make sense until I see Flores' poetry in motion on the field. I won't be able to rectify that in my head unless they sign Robert Quinn or Anik Ngonkwe or something to stop the hemorrhaging. Um, I, I hope they bring Hunter back because otherwise the, the competitive part of the competitive rebuild will be screaming at you. And or excuse me, the rebuild part of the competitive rebuild will be like right blunt force in our face. Hey, Bryant, uh, Dalvin Cook, the rumor mill has him going to the Dolphins, the Jets, the Bills, the Cowboys, the Broncos. You have any any idea where you think he he'll, he'd end up or where he should end up? You think it's a good fit to be back home in Miami? Uh, for him, he may. I don't know. Players like me personally, I don't think I would have wanted to play for the Eagles. I feel like too many people from back home and too many tickets and things like that. Um, and just like, like to feel away. So it really depends on the personality. I mean, he may say, hey, I want to end my career, you know, back with the Dolphins. Um, just to be close to the family, who knows? But it really depends on the personality. But I did hear in the rumor mill down here that the Dolphins were looking at him at a certain point. And your driving force to go back to Miami, was it because you did want to be close to home or was it just because you thought that opportunity made the most sense in your, your final season? Because that's where, Miami's home, but not home. You know yeah. what I mean? So for me, like South Jersey, so by me having a place there already, I didn't mind going back to Miami because I have a house. I don't have to have, worry about having two different homes, two different places and get rid of this thing I had in Baltimore and just kind of just have that and focus on that and don't. You know, I lived only 12 minutes away from the facility, so it didn't take me long <laughs> to get to my work. Amen. Uh, well, big man, we have training camp um, is a month away. So in these, to start June, to start the 4th of July, does it feel like you're on a true blue vacation when you're playing? Like, like I think you intimated a couple of weeks ago that once you get back, you know, then it's the next, what is it, six, seven months or whatever <laughs> of balls to the wall. Does this feel like the last hurrah as a player? Oh, it definitely it is. Um, just a chance to kind of go on a little vacation if you want to and, and just relax, but still still train to keep that base from under you from, you know, the OTAs and the mini camps and things like that. But um, your last chance to get like a little peace of mind before you go through Groundhog's Day for the next like three <laughs> weeks. <laughs> hey, man, I want to ask you, Ron, um, with that, those festivities, we have 14 training camp sessions. I think it's the most I can remember in my lifetime. And that's mainly because they added a extra joint practice session with the uh, Titans and Cardinals this year. And so we have two extra events and two nighttime training camp sessions. But I want to ask you, since we haven't talked to you in about a month, which player or players has the most on the line going into training camp? Like, like, uh, gotta, gotta show up, gotta ball out. Man. Um, that's a good question. I think, um, Andrew Booth is the first one that comes to mind, just being a um, a high draft pick last year in the second round and having that 
position room kind of open for competition. Um, I mean, outside of Byron Murphy, um, they don't have the other spots locked in with guaranteed starters, which in a lot of ways can be good because it's going to push those guys that, um, you know, even the uh, Makai Blackman um, and uh, Ward, like those rookies that they brought in, it's going to push them because there's a spot available. So it's going to bring up the best in them. So I'm all about that competition. Uh, but I truly believe that if healthy, um, I think Andrew Booth can be a, a pretty damn good corner in this league. And I want to see that. Um, and then same with Caleb Evans. I know he played, played really well last year. Um, you know, when he, before he got hurt, but I, Booth is the one that I think, because he kind of, it was weird how his trajectory went, you know, he had that, I know he's dealing with the injury, but then he didn't really have much of a preseason or anything to show out. And then when he did get on the field, it, when we needed him, because all the other injuries took place, he didn't look the best. And then that's when Duke Shelley kind of came in and stole the limelight. So um, that would be the my number one. Um, but then outside of that, um, the, the addition of Josh Oliver, it's going to be interesting to see how they use him and how, you know, with drafting a wide receiver in the first round. And now, you know, we have three good wide receivers, obviously KJ Osborne um, has shown that he um, can be a very productive player at this level. And as a slot guy, as your third guy, um, that only enhances his um, ability. Um, but with Josh Oliver, like I love his athletic skill set. Um, his what six five or so, two fifty fast and he's turned into a great run blocker so uh mm-hmm. that versatility that it brings in i want to see how they use him around or move him around to use him um and i guess those would kind of be the on offense we pretty much know what we're getting from everyone that that steps foot on the field so um those i guess would be the two um that i think have or can raise the most eyebrows or you know there's going to be people that we paid, uh, again, they're going to look at the dollar amount, $21 million for a, num- a tight end number two. And uh, while there's value, it's like having Klein Saucer all over again. You know, it's there, there's value to that. My my two are like 1A and 1B are Andrew Booth and Lewis Seen. Uh, because last year at this time, I considered them roster gravy. If they, they showed up and they were awesome, it's like wonderful. Quasi really nailed this. I think the grace period ends this summer or this season. Um, perhaps if it takes him a while to get a starter's job, maybe October or something, that's fine. But now the heat is on. Even if they get injured, it certainly won't be their fault. But if they dink around, they get hurt, they don't play well, then Quazy's first draft, two draft picks, will look really silly in hindsight. And that doesn't bode well for a young executive. Um, it's like the the lifeblood of your team is being able to draft correctly. So I think... I think the pressure's on seen to go win a starter's job. Josh Patelis is a good football player. And so is Cameron Bynum played every single defensive snap last year, if you can believe that, but seen's a first rounder and those other two guys are maybes that can maybe start, maybe be decent, you know, seen on paper, the way he was drafted, supposed to be a badass. And the same goes for booth. Uh, You nailed the run when he was always, there was about two or three different injuries. And then when he got on the field, he looked lost. And so he's got to have an about face this year to preserve that second round draft stock and make Quasi's first draft, you know, look pretty spiffy. The other couple that I'll mention are Ed Ingram, um, not necessarily because of the same draft thing, but because a guard, he should make he should make a jump this year. He played a lot last year, got a little bit better down the stretch. The Vikings could once and for all solve that right guard spot. And the other one that comes to mind is Greg Joseph's job, um, because we saw last year. If we would, uh, I'm sure we talked about it on this show. The punter, Jordan Berry, was having a camp battle with some big punter, named, like literally big punter named Ryan Wright. We're like, okay, 
And one day Jordan Barry just didn't, he got cut. And it's like, so we're really going with this rookie. We've already seen this leadership regime go with the younger special teamer. So uh, I would walk, I'd watch for Jack Podlesny to make some noise because Greg, Greg Joseph did one thing really well last year. And that was hit game winning field goals. The rest hitting regular field goals, not so hot, extra points, not good at all. Uh, so those are the guys that uh, I would keep an eye on for that had the most on the line. We've, t- we've talked in the past few years, Brian, about players in training camp or in practice that can really show up then, but then don't show up, you know, under the bright lights of the regular season. When can you start to see in training camp? Like, is it, is it immediate? You talked about Adrian Peterson before. Uh, can you, can you, t- can you tell from the time a player touches the ball, if he has it or, you know, do you need, do you need a larger sample size? Um, towards the middle end of training camp, like once you once you start getting into like a, the preseason games, mm-hmm. you can start having an idea how the person is, especially when you get into the preseason games too, because now you see how they play, you know, on game time situations. So you have some practice players who look really good in practice. You have some guys who are practice players who look really good under the light. So really under the lights is when it really counts. So that's when I really like to see and evaluate how people play. What about edge rushers, sir? So the guys that you would go up against, you know, newcomer teammates, were you able to tell like, God, this bastard's going to be good. Or like, does, is there a different switch that flips when they're not playing against you and they're playing against the opponent? Are you able to tell, you know, man, this guy's going to be a handful. Young guys normally try to um, come in and they, especially if you're a veteran, they try to give you everything that they have to, mm-hmm. to show that they're capable of even playing in the league. So young guys will try to show you a lot. Um, I feel like ever, ever since Griffin, he was like a very young guy, and I was, you know, in my probably like eighth, ninth year. And um, I looked at him as like I could see the potential of him. He was very um, high energy, gave a lot of effort, and I <laughs> felt like he was always trying to figure out how to waste ways to win. It was just at the time I was older and I had like a little more knowledge. So I kind of knew just from experience, mm-hmm. you know, how to outsmart him. But um, I could see definitely like he was the type that was going to find a way, was going to figure it out eventually. Yeah. And if now you, with, with, if you sorry, that, Dustin, just to follow up on that, yeah. mm-hmm. um, with, cause with that position, obviously being the left tackle going up against, you know, what's the premier edge rusher on that um, right defensive end side um, from your perspective, is that something where a young guy coming in who is learning the ropes that where they, they give you as the number one left tackle kind of more of a, a hassle because they're, they're trying to prove something as opposed to a backup or like if, when we're looking at, Okay. They they they're they're trying to prove something to the staff and themselves that they can um compete against you at you know and, and do a good job. So it's not only just the staff, but they want to try to convince themselves that they're able to compete against you. So yeah, every time they get a chance to uh, you know crack at you, they're going to try and see you know how they succeed. Is that something then where again if they're if they're giving their best against you and then the backup left tackle comes in and they're kind of getting handled by that left tackle because they're using all the energy against the, the first unit. Is like that they something- try to make a point to really do their thing against the backup and, and, and work their way to get a chance Dominic. to get at you. And then if they struggle against you, okay. But then it's like, it depends on who the player is and like, Oh, well, yeah, a lot of people struggle against him. You know what I'm saying? But if he's handling the, the second you know, the backup, and then is like, you know, giving the first, you know, guy a run too, then that's definitely impressive from pretty sure his sub and Steph. 
Ron, that this time two years ago, we were talking about breakout candidates at the 2021 training camp. And I don't think any of us identified KJ Osborne. He showed up and made the WR3 job his own. Nobody saw it coming. Uh, last year, I, th- I think a, r- a reasonable parallel is Christian Derisaw. We knew that the guy would be pretty good. But last year, <laughs> we got to training camp. And I think like like Albert Breer of SI.com and like some of those guys were touring training camps. And I remember reading something that they were like, this guy is going to be like Trent Williams. He's going to be an all pro. And I'm like, whoa, what are we doing? <laughs> like The guy is probably going to be good, but not that good. And then he showed up to the regular season last year and was that damn good and was one of pro football Focus's best tackles in the business. So I ask you, Ron, on June 28th, one month, one month for camp, who's going to be the breakout guy? I mean, I hate to just kind of do the obvious, but I think Jordan Addison is going to look every bit the part um, that that fans will expect of him. Um, So, you know, I guess it's kind of a cop out to say that, but I mean, he's dynamic. Um, Again, we talked about it when he was at Pitt and, you know, 1600 yard receiver with, um, why can't I think of the the Pittsburgh or the Steelers quarterback, Um, like Pickett, Um, you know, he was the number one target and dominated there, then went to USC in a loaded wide receiver room and, and showed out there um, with, you know, again, first year in that system. So um, I think his skill set, people are going to love to see it. And then it's just going to be, you know, in an offense driven league to, to know that we have a, apparently not a top five wide receiver on one side and Justin <laughs> Jefferson and, um, and then Jordan Addison on the other with KJ Osborne, um, who again has earned every bit of, uh, of praise that he should get um, because he's done nothing but uh, make big plays and, um, and been a proven reliable threat. So um, Addison, I think will be the biggest one, but then um, I, I'm excited. And this may be just a personal bias, what I'm looking for. Um, I'm excited to see Byron Murphy um, as a, you know, physical press man corner in uh, Brian Flores' system. I think they brought him in for a reason. He's one of those guys that <clears throat> hits that, you know, mid twenties, like mid to late twenties, um, in their prime that they bring in on a short kind of prove it deal. Um, so I'm looking forward to for him, um, on the other side, because he is on the other side of that, he's going up against that great competition in Jefferson, Addison, Osborne on the other side. So the reps he gets in training camp, um, <laughs> It's he. It could not help him any better um, to prepare for the season because um, you know you're not going to face anyone better than Justin Jefferson. I polled Vikings Twitter one week ago, Ron, and asked them their prediction for WR two week one against the Buccaneers, and sixty nine percent said KJ Osborne. Do you disagree with that? You know, I don't disagree with it. I think it's. It, when you're dealing with wide receiver two and three, it, it's not like a Zimmer era thing mm-hmm. where, you know, if you're <laughs> not the wide receiver two, like, you know, you're not going to see the field as much. I think there's going to be so much fluidity with that offense and moving pieces in and out. Um, and I think Osborne has the respect of the coaching staff where he might get that day one start opposite of Jefferson. But the other part of that is I think he's just, he's a good run blocker and what you lose with Thielen outside of the, um, the route running hands and everything that he brought to the table, he was an extremely good route runner or extremely good run blocker for a wide receiver. And I think Osborne with that stocky build, he is bigger than Addison. Addison's on 185 pounds or so. Mm -hmm. Um, and I know when we had KJ on, um, you know, a few years ago now, a couple of years ago, um, (laughs) he said he modeled his game after Amari Cooper. Um, I don't know if you remember him saying that, Mm -hmm. but, um, at the time, like, 
I didn't see the the comparison in the sense of just body style. Like in fluidity, I thought Osborne was more of just a slot type guy, but he's proven to be good on the outside. And in order to be good on the outside, you need to be physical. And um, so I think that will give him the nod, but um, it wouldn't surprise me either way. Like the first play of the season could probably be an end around Jordan Addison, just, uh, <laughs> um, you know, cause there's always something weird um, that fans like to see right out of the gate. Yeah, my breakout player, I've, I've bought into the hype of Ivan Pace, a linebacker, undrafted dude from Cincinnati. And here's why. So I think he has a chip on his shoulder. And I think the only knock on him really is the size. For some reason, he's a little small to be an off-ball linebacker. I don't care about that. We'll see if the rest of the league does. But right now, we have at linebacker, there is Jordan Hicks, Brian Asamoah, Troy Reader, and Troy Dye. And when you when you got Brian Flores in charge, I think most fans are like, okay, that'll do the trick. But if you were analyzing this, you know, living in Phoenix or something, you'd be like, who in the hell are those guys uh, besides Jordan Hicks, who's a veteran? So I think this is a really easy group to navigate, to emerge from if Ivan Pace shows that he's the real deal. I don't think Pace will, you know, start week one, um, but I think he can start to show in bits and pieces at training camp like, ah, this is why he was so, you know, he has a chip on his shoulder about not getting drafted is because he's quite good. I think it's all set up. He'll have a, a whisperer defensive coordinator when it comes to linebacking and Brian Flores and then a relatively comparatively weak linebacking group that he can try to slice and dice to make a name for himself. So I think Ivan Pace uh, would be would be mine. Are you you like him, Ron, or got to wait and see? I do. I Yeah, I, I know he's quote-unquote undersized um, for that middle linebacker spot, but in a way, so is Asamoa. Um, Asamoa's not not all that big, but what you lose in size, you gain in speed, and that seems to be what this league has been going to for a while, especially with those hybrid-type positions. You know, you see a lot of linebackers moving to safety and vice versa, safety's moving to linebackers. So um, either way, I think having Jordan Hicks as that veteran presence in there, in the middle there, um, that's going to help those younger guys. But, man, like the same uh, splash plays that Asamoah made last year, just Mm -hmm. with his speed and effort, the the play to punch out the ball from Daniel Bellinger in the regular season game against the Giants, I think Mm -hmm. it was, um, you know. Those type of things, you're going to see these guys go sideline to sideline, and um, in this defense, that's what you need. Um, it's it, we have a lot of pieces, um, and it'll be interesting to see how it plays out. But yeah, I can definitely see Pace just making a name for himself and and being you know the Mister Mankato, so to speak, <laughs> because because of that chip. You know, the the advantage of being an undrafted guy is you get to pick your spot, and you know, so he essentially was. Who knows if he had eyes on him in the seventh round a bit and basically said, "Don't take me," like because I know if from the from what I've heard, it's happened in the past that players have done that. So, um, you know, hope, hopefully that's the case. And he, you know, this is where he picked because he saw an opportunity to showcase his talent. But you look at his tape, and and he was he was a beast on that Cincinnati defense. And for my record, or for, you know, Sauce Gardner from that defense um, from a couple of years ago, he turned out pretty damn good, too. <laughs> I'll say. Brian, I got a weird question for you. Did you get excited for training camp, or was it kind of like, a, oh, here we go again? Here we go again. Because <laughs> <laughs> you know how we hear all these stories about, like, veterans like Michael Strahan, who always, like, did things to avoid training camp towards the yeah. end of their career. And I'm like, gosh, I wonder I could do that. I think the closest thing I did to that was when I was going to Baltimore mm-hmm. and, like, just trying to really actually fill out teams and stuff. But um, no, I just know that it was going to be like a 
two, two and a half week of just Groundhog's Day. You're like, you don't know what day it is. You do the same exact routine every day. And it's like, you don't really have too much contact with the outside world because you're in meetings, you're at practice, you're eating lunch, you're eating breakfast, you're eating dinner, you're in meetings, <laughs> you're taking a nap, you're going to bed. Like, it's just the same thing. So you don't even have much time. And then, you know, it's different now because they get to stay, you know, a nice area. But we were like down in Mankato. Like the highlight was like going to like Walmart and things <laughs> like that. <laughs> so when does it actually, so it sounds like training camp, that sound the way that you describe it, uh, with complete respect, sounds miserable. When does football become fun again? Like right after training camp or soon regular as, season? Soon as we start um, preseason games. Okay. <laughs> because <laughs> now you start getting into the schedule of like a regular season, you know, far as like, um, if you're in season, you like because leading up to that first preseason game is just the same thing every day. Yeah. So once you have that first preseason game, like now you'll have a day off, okay. like you know things like that. But before that, you don't have any days off. Every day is just like just keep going, keep going, keep going. And then it's like, and then also you're like so excited to go against somebody else. I don't know two weeks now I'm going against the same people. Like you know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. So like okay, let me try to get somebody else. You know. And um, that's 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 the exciting part. It's like when you get a chance to. Finally, just go against somebody else, whether it's a scrimmage, you know, scrimmage you practice other people. So you're kind of happy. Okay, we get to take this out on, you know, this frustration of being here. I know somebody else or something. So being able to have another opponent and not always your teammate is good. It's a good switch up. It's like you go against them every day and you're going to have to go against these guys throughout the rest of the year, you know, in practice and everything. Anyway, so. Yeah. <clears throat> Ron, my lag, I got my final question for you here. Um, whether it's right now, training camp, or preseason, what is the most intriguing storyline for the Vikings that you will be monitoring the rest of the two and a half months here? Um, man, I, for me, I think it's really just, and I know there's been some news on it, but the extension talks of Jefferson and Hawkinson, um, and then potentially Hunter. So really just a future contract um, outlook because – you know, they have 19 million in cap space now. Um, I don't know what kind of free agent is out there that they could look to get that would uh, bolster this team. I mean, Dalton Reisner is a name that I would like to see just because it's a starting guard um, and he's a good pass protection guard. So mm -hmm. um, that would be, I think that would be a nice get. Um, but otherwise, you know, I think with the young talent we have the rest of the way, um, you know, I think it'll be interesting to see how that plays out in camp. But yeah, it's really just we have the future cap space now locked up. You're gonna have to pay Jefferson. Smart guys, you know, say it's better to pay him now because he will be the highest paid receiver. But if you wait a year, it's that price tag is only gonna go up. And, and you know, so I don't know what the holdup is there, but uh, you know, I I trust that they'll uh, they'll back up the Brinks truck whenever it's needed, anyways. Usually the the high prof most of the high profile deals <clears throat> for first rounders who are heading into their fourth season happen in July. That's when Mahomes is hit. I think it was July 6, 2020, when he got 10 years and was it 500 something million. Uh, we still haven't seen <clears throat> Justin Herbert or uh, Joe Burrow extended. And if I'm not mistaken, they came from the Jefferson draft, correct? Yep. And <clears throat> and Hawkinson wasn't in that draft. So I'm going to guess that it's not like <clears throat> I don't think there's anything to worry about. I just think for some reason on a general manager's calendar, the really big deals for some reason go off right around 
um, the 4th of July. If, if that comes and goes and we're getting training camp and still no extension on Jefferson or Hawkinson, that would be really weird. Um, you know, Hawkinson going into his final year and they'd actually probably lower his cap hit if they extended him this year. Um, so yeah, I'm right there with you. The other one that I'm watching, I already give my speech on Lewis Seen and Andrew Booth because that would probably be next to extension. Watch my primary one there immediate hopeful maturation my other one is just jaron hall in general there's not a lot of people i think that are high on him but i'm gonna guess if the vikings took a flyer on him that they probably see something kind of special and he's 25 years old so he should look better than most rookies in his first summer now of course he's not going to play this year unless there's a lot of like 49ers likes energy injuries but you can probably you'll probably be able to tell whether it's watching training camp or hearing what the coaches say whether this guy has the backbone for a QB1 because don't look now Kirk Cousins is in the final year of his deal there is a chance that Jaron Hall will be groomed to be the next guy albeit a small one because he's a fifth rounder but i think we're i am scarred from how many straight preseasons of Sean Mannion and that's what, what as i sit down and watch preseason football and i'm like oh we're rolling this guy out there again I do not understand it. Well, I don't have to do that anymore uh, because, you know, Jaron Hall is on the team. So I'm interested to see throughout training camp and preseason if Hall really does look like a baller or if he's going to turn into Mond where it's like he won't even be on the team or he'll be a complete afterthought in a matter of years. That's that's the other one I'm watching next to uh, Booth scene. And then, of course, extension watch because I'd like to know how long it's going to be for Jefferson. Is it three or four years? Uh, we shall see. All right, Brian, any any closing arguments for the group? No, I don't really have any closing arguments right now. Nope. We'll, we'll track down Sally and figure out when she can next join us. Um, and again, we will probably return next week. I'm off the week after that, but we'll be back with whatever, whatever Vikings football items take us their way, and we'll see you guys next week, all right? Okay. All right, later. Have a good one. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.